It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Men. Hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Welcome in to the Friday afternoon edition of the Patrick Johnson Show, leading you in to East Carolina baseball coverage against George Mason. I'm Philip Pilkington. I will be your host today, joined by Chris Cook. How's it going, Chris? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. A little tired. Chris and I both had to uh, help oh, we out. Had- with the morning show this morning on Talk of the Town, I had to be here at 5.30. Chris had to be here a little earlier. Though. I had to be here at 4. Uh, it, I almost wanted to say we had an early morning, but I don't even know if 4 o'clock counts as an early morning. To me, like that's just a really late night. I don't know. That's uh, You had to wake up in the middle of the night. Oh, yeah. Is what that I, is. I, got I wouldn't say you three, had a late brother. night because you went to bed at a good time-ish. Uh-huh. But uh, you just had to get up in the middle of the night to show up to work. But we're all here. We got it. We may or may not have a couple cups of coffee in either one of us oh, yeah. today. But it's we're ready been a long one. Yeah, to bring you our show here today. Only a 45-minute edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. During segment two, we will be joined by the color analyst from East Carolina Basketball on the radio from Playfly Sports coach Michael Perry to talk a little bit about what is so far going on in the Pirates offseason as well as a little bit of the NCAA tournament. Looking at Pirate Baseball tonight, the Pirates will be without their skipper Cliff Godwin as well as Josh Moylan. Both were ejected after the game on Wednesday night, and since the game had been over, they are ejected from this game. Unfortunately, the Pirates will be without Moylan for two games, as if any player or assistant coach gets ejected, they are automatically serve a one-game suspension, or at least that's what I was told by Coach O, and if Coach O says that's what the rule is, he's formally on the rules committee. I trust everything Coach O tells me. Oh, yeah, he, he would know it. What exactly happened? Do you know? So, Moylan got called out on strikes uh-huh, okay. for the last out. Mm-hmm. I wasn't there. I was in the studio. And according to Scooter, he turned around and said something to the umpire. Okay. Got, got tossed. You. Probably a little foul language, maybe. Yeah, I'm maybe. guessing it was okay. I'm guessing it was not PG rated. Got and if you. we did know, we probably couldn't group rate it on the radio. Of course. Mm-hmm. And Godwin did not like that Josh got tossed as quick as he did, and Coach gave his opinions and the umpire took matters into his own hands again, and now we're out without both of them. Oh, okay, I got you. Yeah. Rough. Yeah, that's rough. Wow. Yeah, after the game. Because Moylan's just, one of the best players on the team, right? Yeah. Wow. If you're the umpire, just go to the locker. Like, you ring a guy up strike three on a close pitch at the last out of the game, you're mm-hmm. going to get – I mean, it's just – Yeah. You know, I, I, and I won't make it a long story, but I officiated flag football at ECU before I went on to high school, and they told us if there's a close flag pull to the line to gain at the end of a playoff game on fourth down – Whichever way you give it, the other team's probably going to come up yelling and screaming at you. Don't throw an immediate personal foul. They're already mad. It's the end of a playoff game. Mm-hmm. You know, try and cool them off. And I think this umpire needed that speech because you ring a guy from the last pitch, he's going to be ticked. 
Yeah, I mean, granted, I'm not as well-versed in baseball as I am in other sports, but this is the first like instance I've heard of someone getting thrown out. I thought it was weird getting thrown out after the game's already been over. I didn't even know that that could happen. I mean, I don't think it's a baseball thing. I think it's anything. I mean, my guess is, you know, if you know y'all's football coach up in Green Bay decided to you know, follow a referee in the locker room and continue to he would get suspended out. He could still for get the next game. Yeah, yeah. okay. I, I and I'm guessing it. the same thing if Frank Reich did it or who or Mike Houston or whoever. I would guess. I, I you know I don't know. That's one of those where you can know the rule book and not know that rule because it's that's a league rule more than it is an official's rule. Mm-hmm. So each league's going to handle it differently. I'm sure high school's got it one way and it's probably different in each state and all that. But yeah, I think in all my years of sports, that's probably the first time I've heard of a post game ejection. And so are they only out for today's game, or are they out through the course of the weekend? So they both got ejected, meaning they have now been ejected from this game because that game yeah, is over. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. And then Moylan has to serve a one-game suspension because the only person who can legally get ejected without serving a suspension is the manager. Okay. If an assistant okay. coach, whether that be Palumbo, AKA, whoever, or a player gets ejected, it's automatic one-game suspension. That's a college baseball thing, specifically. I'm not saying the leagues don't have it, but like um, – like in the MLB, players get ejected all the time. Gotcha. Suspended. So Moylan will be out tomorrow as well, and then uh, he'll be back. But And then we got our skipper, Cliff, will be back tomorrow. Or sorry, yeah, he'll be back tomorrow. Moylan will sit tomorrow, excuse me. And, and be, be back, back Sunday. Uh, Sunday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's that. Uh, so on a high, better note, we're playing George Mason, who is 11-9 and nine on the season. They don't have the best pitching. They're a pretty good hitting team. The two teams have not played since 2016, meaning none of these players have played one another. However, they are familiar foes. The Pirates and Patriots have met 74 times. ECU leads 40-33. to 33. I had no idea we had played them 74 times. So they've met 74 times, but they haven't met since 2016? Yeah. Oh, wow. So this must be like a really long ago uh, series yeah. that was going on. This must have been way before uh, Chris and I's time here in Greenville. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I know probably some of you people who have been here a while are like, yeah, duh, but hey, sorry, I didn't get here until fall of 2017. So, um, yeah, Pirates, as mentioned, lead 44 to 30 in the all time series. Trey Savage, I guess, I don't know if I've seen the starting line. I'm sure it's probably been posted by now. Uh, you'd expect would get the start on the mound tonight, the reigning AAC pitcher of the week after throwing seven and a third scoreless. Uh, last game. Uh, the one thing that he's going to have to do tonight is not let guys get on base. The Patriots this year have stole 76 bags in just 20 games. They're st- pretty much stealing four bases a game. Well, exa- yeah, almost four bases a game. Is it just me, or is that not like a crazy amount? That's crazy. That's amount. a crazy to amount. Steal. Yeah. I mean, steal literally means you're standing on first, the pitch gets thrown, and you run to second without the ball. Well, uh, yeah, that's that's a lot. And only 20-some-odd games? Yeah, so they're still in four a game, pretty much. 3.9-something a game. I don't know. Interesting. That's a lot. You, you hope you can steal a bag to a bag and a half a game, and they're still in darn near four a game. Yeah, right, okay. So... That is uh, pretty spectacular. And they have a they have a pretty good percentage. I don't have the exact percentage in front of me, but they're 76 of 86. They've all been caught 10 times, so they're you know getting caught once every other game, but they're still in darn near four bags a game. So uh, hopefully our pitchers can keep them off of the base path this weekend. 
Walks have been a little bit of an issue for Pirate pitching this year, but it's mostly been during the midweeks. So we're getting them on a weekend, which is good. Pirates obviously have only dropped one midweek game. The or sorry, weekend game dropped plenty of midweek games. Only one weekend game the entire season. That was the Long Beach State back in the Keith LeClaire Classic in that Saturday afternoon game. Moving on, they are not the only Pirates in action today. Pirates softball is opening their conference play down in Tampa, taking on the Bulls of South Florida right now as the Bulls lead 4 to nothing in the top of the fifth inning. Uh, Pirates, hopefully they can put some bats on some balls here. Uh, South Florida is a very tough team to score against in the past as they had Georgina Korak as their pitcher who played for the Great Britain national team. She fortunately has graduated and is actually calling the game on ESPN+. Plus. But she was tough to touch last year. But uh, Pirates has mentioned down 4 nothing. Addie Bullis got the start on the mound for the Pirates. Sydney Yoder is currently at bat. And she just hit a long fly ball. It looks like can of corn. Yoder just hit one of the track, but yep, can of corn. Anyways, moving on. College basketball last night. Cookie! You went three and one in your picks last night. I'm doing I'm I'm doing well at least I think so. I am gonna pick on the big hen for a little bit here, okay? All right, Henry. Hinton. Hopefully he's listening. He's he, not listening. He's just playing his golf tournament uh, right he, now. He he's the man in all aspects. We know that. But my man only went one and three, and I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, I can't make fun of him. I went one. And I think three. he had like UCLA winning the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, he did have. So yeah. that's the thing. The team I got winning it all. I can at least say it's still in this thing. Who do you? You had Alabama, right? I got Alabama, but they're. I wouldn't. You know, they're still in it, but they haven't played as many games as some of the other teams as they play tonight in the Sweet Sixteen. So last night, Cookie went bold and picked FAU to beat Tennessee. Well, it wasn't too bold because it worked out. It worked out. Yeah. He picked Kansas State. Kansas State was victorious in a nail-biting overtime victory over Sparty. Uh, UConn obviously just handed it to Arkansas and Gonzaga with a beautiful come-behind win over UCLA and uh, retired a lot of good UCLA players. Those guys, Tyler K- Tiger Campbell, Jaime Jaquez, and Singleton, all part of that Final Four team from a couple years ago. That was their final game in a Bruin uniform. Cookie, who you got tonight? Bama, San Diego State, who you picking? Well, I've got Bama winning the whole thing, so obviously I'm going to pick them. But um, I will say I, I, I watched the – you were saying how crazy the Kansas State game was and went into overtime. I watched that actually with Ben Byram. B-Baby. And, and we were we, – I'm not going to say we were on, like, the edge of our seat or anything, but it was like, oh, wow, this is a, this is a nail-biter. i got to give props to Ben. Ben got Chris watching college basketball oh, yeah. other than did, ECU. Did he do a bracket this year? Uh, I'm sure he did. Oh, okay. It, you know, he's not in our little work. Uh-huh. I wish one. he made one, like, just for fun, like, against, like, all of us, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was telling Dan today, I do not want you to win because of bragging rights. I know you're Oh, they already got quiet. the Super Bowl? Like, you would yeah. never hear the end of this if, yeah, if this happens. Oof. Also, Creighton <laughs> taking on Princeton tonight. I think most people have the Blue Jays 15 seed. Princeton, obviously the Cinderella story, but hey, they could do it. St. Peter's was in this spot a year ago, knocked off three-seeded Purdue as a 15 seed, went on to the Elite Eight to take on the Tar Heels. Uh, you got Creighton or Princeton? I got Creighton. Creighton, that's who I got. And then Houston, American Athletic Conference opponent, or the Hurricanes, Miami, the only ACC team left. Well, I'm going with Houston because my final two is actually uh, Houston-Bama. So, okay, there yeah. you go. There you go. And uh, then Xavier in Texas. Where did you did you go three and one or? No, I went one and three. Oh, I Jesus. picked it. I picked You're LA. Right up there with the big <laughs> Yeah, I picked LA. I picked Sparty. That was my upset pick for the night. And then obviously I did not pick F8. Oh, brother, this guy stinks.
Yes, I do stink. I am terrible at brackets. I've never, I don't have ever won a bracket pool. I am, I am. I don't so know bad. why though. You know, like so much about like specifically college sports. I overthink it. That's yeah, a problem. I guess so. So, by the way, another ECU team that's not in action today, but I got a text from Director of Lacrosse Operations, okay. James Manning, that says, I have not heard you mention lacrosse today. That is right. Lacrosse is off to an 8-2 and two start, but come on out to Johnson Stadium tomorrow because they take on Mercer, and you can catch that with, with plenty of time to spare before Pirate Baseball at 4 o'clock. Pirates playing a heck of a season this year. They took on number 18 Duke this weekend, unfortunately fell 13-10 to 10 with the Pirates. The reason they fell is because they dug themselves in a huge hole in the first half and they climbed their way almost all the way out of it against a very historic program so very proud of lacrosse team it has been a wonderful season as mentioned eight and two and they are one and oh in conference play they knocked off old dominion last weekend seven to five in their lowest scoring game of the season by far but it was their first conference game and their first conference win of the season so there you go james Sorry, I sorry I didn't mention lacrosse. We had we got to show all the teams. Some we do, love. we do. It's it's hard on a forty five minute show. You kind of got to get to what's on today. But uh, and then I don't know if I mentioned it yet. Xavier or Texas? Who you got there, Cookie? Uh, I don't remember who I picked in the bracket. Xavier. Okay, but I might go back on that though. I feel like Texas got it. I got Texas in the final four. But I got I, Texas I, in the national championship game. Oh, like I said, really? I'm bad at this darn thing. So okay. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'll root against him just for that. Yeah. Well, Not only do I pick against him, but you picked for him, so I'll go against him. Let's be honest. The office pool is for bragging rights within the whole office, but it's really for bragging rights between me and Cookie because. Oh yeah, you know it. It's more he wants to brag at me, and I want to you know hear the end of it one day. So I'll throw it in Patrick's face it too. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, you'll <laughs> throw it in Patrick's face. We know that. But that is about all the time we have for our opening segment because we have Coach Michael Perry waiting on the other side of this timeout to talk a little pirate basketball as well as a more deeper dive and actual educational talk on all these basketball games. Somebody who knows what they're talking about when it comes to college basketball, unlike oh, yeah, right. myself Un- unlike and the guy us, across yeah. the way, Chris mm-hmm. Cook. <laughs> we'll be right back, everybody. Miss a moment. Remember, there will be a test. You can log on to the brand new on Instagram. Welcome back into this Friday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show ahead of ECU baseball against the George Mason Patriots. I'm Philip Pilkington filling in for the P-Man who will be on the call tonight on ESPN+. Plus for the Pirates, and Chris Cook is joining me. But on our phone lines now, we have the analyst from ECU Basketball on the radio, the coach, Michael Perry. How's it going, coach? All is well, man. Enjoying this day, man. Beautiful beautiful day, 85-degree weather, not a cloud in the sky, man. It's a beautiful day in Greenville. Yeah, it is. I'm I'm loving this weather, too. I'll be excited to get out to baseball tomorrow and get to enjoy a little bit of it. Uh, it's been a few weeks since we've talked, obviously, with the Pirates' season coming to an end. But overall, I would think this was a very successful first season for Coach Mike Schwartz this year in the Pirate men's basketball program. I would agree. Very encouraging. Um, the year that they put together, uh, how competitive they were in conference play. I know they would have liked to have another win or two. But overall, I mean, I... You couldn't hope for much more than the success that they had in conference play, particularly. Um, in the out of conference, you know, they did what they needed to do. They won uh, most of the games that they had on their schedule out of conference, which is what you typically do and you should do here at East Carolina. But in conference play, they made some strides, and it got better as the season went on. And it's some momentum. They built momentum that you can actually carry into the pre, into you know a postseason play, 
and and now just kind of build upon that now in your workouts and and all your, uh, your your practices that you have with your players. You have momentum now coming off the season, the ending of the season, because they got better as the season went on. No, I definitely agree. And in my opinion, and I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, I, mean, I played basketball when I was younger, but I do not have a basketball background, I would say. I thought the Pirates played their best basketball probably those last three weeks, I would say, there if you'd combine the last two weeks of the regular season and really the conference tournament. When do you think their best basketball was of the year overall? Yeah, certainly in, in, in those last few weeks, uh, things kind of came together. You know, I think people forget sometimes that, you know, it's a new coach and uh, 10 new players. And and whereas you know a, quite a lot about these guys when you sign them, uh, and then the kids that you inherit in the program, I mean, a lot of times you don't look too much about what they did in the past. You kind of give them a clean slate and allow these guys to develop. And they did so. But you're still a work in progress. You're still learning these players uh, as the season goes goes on. And also, uh, these kids are developing as the season goes on. So it took a while for them to for players to figure themselves out. And I'm speaking uh, probably about Jaden Walker particularly. It took a while for Jaden to kind of figure his game out. And it also took a while for the coaches also to realize what his strengths and weaknesses were as well as the season played out. And by the end of the season, they found out, they had a really good point guard option in Jaden Walker, who really was recruited to be more of a wing and maybe uh, the third option as a point guard. He ended up being their primary point guard and actually was very effective both on the defensive end and offensive end as the season went on. Yeah, and the good thing is we should be having Jaden Walker and R.J. Felton back next year uh, because, like you said, a lot of there were 10 new players. But, unfortunately, we do live in the era of the transfer portal. And the guy that we thought was going to be our point guard next year, Javon Small, has entered the portal. I have to say, I was a little shocked by this one, Coach Perry, to see. I guess you shouldn't be shocked this day in time at all in a guy transferring. But did you see this coming, or was this kind of out of left field for you for Javon to uh, pack his bags? Uh, somewhat, yeah, somewhat surprised. I mean, we just live in the, in, in, in this day age where now it, it this this is what this this is the landscape. This is what we're going to see in college basketball. I mean, I just saw here yesterday where uh, two kids that played in NCAA tournament uh, teams, Arizona and Arizona State, uh, both NCAA tournament teams, and they're leaving. Uh, there are a couple of other kids who uh, were very effective players, really good players. Uh, for really good basketball programs, programs that were very successful this year, that are in the tournament and have some success, and they've also entered their names to the portal. So it's it's the landscape of college basketball today. Uh, you win some and you lose some. So you, you're going to have some that are going to leave out, and you're going to have some that are going to walk in and you're going to make you very happy. You know, we'll go on. We'll talk about another guy in the portal. This the guy I'm about to bring up now. I wasn't as surprised, and that was Jackson Ellingsworth. He didn't get recruited quite as well in high school as I think he should have, probably because he didn't play AAU. Patrick and I were talking about this on Wednesday, and uh, to see him possibly enter the portal and go somewhere where he can play. I think is going to be very good for him because I think he is a very good talent. I think he has a place in college basketball. Unfortunately, he had to be a walk-on here because, once again, not highly recruited. So, like I said, I was not as blindsided by him um, leaving. He is the West Carteret alum. Uh, what do you think You know, his future kind of holds? Where do you think he can go and, and be successful? And were you surprised about uh, Jackson entering the portal? Yeah, I mean, 
he impressed me. I mean, as a walk-on or as a freshman in general, he impressed me. Uh, you don't get walk-ons typically at a 6'8", first of all. Uh, that's rare, 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, you don't get that. And then to be able to get one that's actually serviceable. I mean, not only in practice, but there were games that he got in, and he really, you know, handled himself, uh, was very respectable on the floor, made some productive plays in very limited time, not a lot of experience, and a freshman. Uh, I was really impressed with uh, with him uh, this year, and I thought it was a steal of a walk-on uh, for the program. And um, he certainly is a, is a guy who certainly has some really good basketball ahead of him. Would have liked to see him stay to see his development over the years. I think he could have been one of those guys that a few years from now we could have been saying, man, I'm surprised this guy was a walk-on when he came here. He really didn't have a lot of options in terms of Division One schools and look at him today. I think the potential was there for him. But, again, it, it, this doesn't surprise me. I mean, he it was a really good command of himself when he was out there, even in conference play. Uh, he didn't just uh, show himself or, or show good minutes against some teams out of conference that might have been for weaker leagues. I mean, he had a pretty good um, performance against a couple of teams in our league. So he certainly has probably proven himself, whether it's Division Two or low Division One, um, that he could be a, a player who can come in and contribute to people. So not, not surprising uh, to see that happening. I mean, you look at the landscape now in college basketball. Uh, so many guys are looking at opportunities to be able to play. I mean, that's what they really want. They want to be able to play. And those opportunities are out there somewhere. And you see in Division II players, you saw the success College of Charleston had, and I think mean, they had three Division II players on their program. So Division II players, uh, they're being poached now by Division I. Oh, and there's some Division One guys that are stepping down to Division Two levels so they can be able to play more. So it, everything is wide open now. It's the wild, wild west, literally. <laughs> That's a great analogy. It really is. And we obviously wish both of these guys the best. Once a pirate, always a pirate. Especially wishing Jackson the best with him being a local kid. You always want to see local kids go on and have success wherever it is that they may go. And uh, we will ju- move it on a little bit here from Pirate Basketball. Unfortunately, the Pirates aren't playing anymore, but there are some teams still playing in this thing, Coach Perry. I'm sure you've been watching it closely. I definitely have. Uh, I was just kind of wondering what your thoughts on or were on last night's uh, four games, particularly FAU coming back and getting that big win over the Tennessee Volunteers. Yeah, really impressive. Um basketball last night i mean all the games were really enjoyable and it's interesting um the game that was the lowest scoring game might have been in the end maybe the most entertaining um, with florida atlantic i mean the other games they scored 80 and 90 points and uh, had great flow to them this game right here i mean it was pretty interesting um boxing match uh, in, in terms of how i kind of look at it because uh, tennessee you know terrific defensive team uh make it very difficult for you to score but I was a little concerned watching that game because I thought that the quality of shots that Florida Atlantic was getting, if they continue to get those, they're going to start making those. So in the first half, I was thinking to myself, if I'm walking off the, off, off the floor, I'm telling my team, we're in this. I mean, we had great looks. We had quality shots. We're going to get those same shots in the second half, and we're going to make them because that's who they are. I mean, that's what they, they make those shots, and they did in the second half, and they you know, put some distance between themselves. Tennessee, who had been scored – struggling to score the ball. They just defended the heck out of you and didn't allow you to score. I mean, they did what they typically do. They defended at a, at a really high level. However, the offensive uh, prowess of this team, Florida Atlantic, man, has been really impressive during the tournament 
what they've been able to do, particularly from three. And they end up spreading you out because they're shooting the ball with distance and, uh, and, and they're excellent at shooting it. So they spread the floor and now they're able to get into the, uh, into the lane and spray it out or find guys, uh, uh behind the defense. And, uh, it's just opening up a lot of different areas for them offensively to be able to attack you, um, because of the spacing. But the spacing is there because of the shooting. Because if you can't shoot, you're not going to have the spacing. You got to be able to shoot the ball. And that's what they were able to do. And in the second half, again, that qual- you're going to give a team quality shots like that, they're going to make them eventually. Yeah, and make them they did. And uh, the good thing for the American is they're going to be an American athletic team next year. The bad thing for ECU is they're going to be an American athletic team next year and probably got a lot of those guys coming back, obviously live in the area uh, or the era, excuse me, of the transfer portal. But I, they do not have a whole heck of a lot of seniors there. On no young roster. team, a lot of sophomore, a lot of sophomores and a freshman, are, are you know, lodging the most minutes for that team. And then you know, you mentioned them, but you also have uh, two other terrific teams in that league that are in the NIT. And uh, I mean, I think one other team that's in the CBI. So a lot of postseason uh, uh, you know, experience for teams that are going to be coming into a conference. I mean, to the American Conference next year. Uh, UAB is a terrific uh, basketball team. I mean, there's some really good teams. North Texas is really good. And um, you also have Charlotte, who's having a really good year, uh, really good postseason with the CBI. Those are going to be really good basketball teams coming into the American. Yeah, the 49ers of Charlotte did just actually win the CBI. Uh, so that they had, I guess, as good of a postseason as you can have when you don't lose any games. Unfortunately for them, they weren't playing in the big dance. But uh, we'll kind of move on here. we got a few minutes left here with Coach Perry, the analyst on East Carolina basketball games on the radio. And uh, looking at tonight's slate of games, we got to talk about the Cinderella team, Princeton. Sometimes 15 seeds get into the second weekend, and they look like they have no business. Other times, they look like St. Peter's did from a year ago when they knocked off the Purdue Boilermakers in the Sweet 16, moved on to the Elite Eight, and played a hard-fought game against the North Carolina Tar Heels. What are your thoughts, Coach Perry, on uh, Princeton and their ability tonight against the Creighton Blue Jays and Coach McDermott? Well, I think I speak for most coaches in America that you hate to prepare for the Princeton offense. <laughs> and they run it as well as anybody, obviously. Yeah. Uh, the coach there played at Princeton and learned it from Pete Carell. And, um, I mean, they're very, it's a very difficult offense, um, to play against I me mean, for Pirate fans. Um, we've seen it in recent years where Campbell, they actually run that, uh, Princeton offense, um, because the head coach at Campbell, I uh, was an assistant at the University of Richmond, and Chris Mooney was a disciple of Pete Carell and played at Princeton also. Uh, so we've seen it up close, but I'm telling you what, just in my years of college basketball and a lot of coaches throughout the country, they will tell you the last thing that they want to prepare for is the Princeton offense, and particularly in a tournament uh, play. Now, an advantage to Creighton is that they've had five days to prepare for it. Really difficult when you got a short turnaround. Uh, but because you have, it's so difficult because you have to throw out your, your, your typical defensive principles. You got to throw them out of the window. You can't uh, exert a lot of pressure. You can't overplay. You can't do a lot of denying, which a lot of good defensive teams as Creighton that they typically do. But you have to kind of put those principles to the side and defend differently. Uh, you can't overextend yourself because you play into their hands and you're allowing them to be able to get easy, uh, scoring opportunities, particularly layups. And then when you start trying to prevent those, then they're able to square up and get easy, uh, basically uncontested threes. So a very difficult offense to be able to defend. 
Uh, Creighton has had some time to be able to prepare for it, but this is a team that uh, they use your strengths against you, and you got to have a game plan in which you guys have to have your guys disciplined enough where they can put their typical basketball fundamentals and principles to the side. And and then you also got to figure out a way to be able to score because Princeton's done a pretty good job defensively also in changing their defenses up and, and, and you know, forcing teams to be able to uh, to not really get caught up in just shooting jump shots against them. Uh, so it's a really good basketball program. Uh, as I mentioned several times, not a team you really enjoy preparing for. No, definitely not. Like you said, our guys know all about it with uh, Campbell being one of those teams, a team we've seen a lot in the past. Uh, we wish we had more time with Coach Perry, but we do have to get all of our breaks in before baseball starts, so uh, we can't go through every game that's being played tonight. But we do want to hit, well, lastly, on the one team still left in the American Athletic Conference. The Houston Cougars are playing tonight, and they are taking on the five seed out of the Midwest region, the Hurricanes of Miami, the last remaining team out of the ACC. What are your thoughts, Coach, on this Houston Cougars team against Miami? Obviously, you saw the Cougars play twice this year in person. Person. Well, I'm very excited for them because it looks like they're, they're doing it. The training staff and the doctors and so forth are doing a great job in managing the injury. I wasn't sure in the second game uh, uh, last week that they were going to be able to, to have the performance that they had. Uh, Sasser was coming off of you know, the, the initial game of, of getting uh, getting hurt again, um, but he bounced back. And I've always said, you're not back from an injury until you re, re, re-injure it again. If a guy twists his ankle, and he comes back, and then he has to tweak it again before he's actually officially back, in my mind. And that's what I saw uh, in that game. He came back in the last game, and he was terrific. Um, even the same as two with Shade. And then the the the, front, uh, the junior, um, Mark, he stepped up and really played big. Took the game over late. They've got a lot of great weapons. Obviously, you know they defend, and they're one of the best defensive teams in the country. They defend at a high level, but their offense is really cooking on all cylinders. If they can continue to keep these guys healthy, Man, they could they they could they could make it to Houston. No, they definitely could. And uh, we thank you, Coach Ferry, for joining us. Great analysis on both the Pirates and the teams in the NCAA tournament. Thanks for coming on our show today. All right, take care. God bless. Thank you, Coach Perry. Really enjoyed having him on. On the other side of this timeout, Cookie and I will wrap up the show before we get ready for ECU baseball here on ninety four three. The game. <laughs> The stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. I like this upbeat music, Chris. Chris is ready for a little pirate baseball tonight. Uh, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Heck yeah. Pirates and Patriots coming your way at 545 Dr. Coach Gary Overton and Scott Scooter Rogers will be on the call. So we are going to take you up till 6.42, or sorry, 5.42 when we get to that final break. So uh, once again, thanks, Coach Perry, for joining us um, from EC Basketball to talk a little basketball, both with the Pirates and around the country. But one of the things that happened around the world this week and wrapped up was the World Baseball Classic. Unfortunately, Japan won their third by defeating the United States 3-2. to So Chris and I were going to give our thoughts real quick. There's obviously been a lot of talk about whether or not MLB players should still be allowed to play in this thing. Before we get into this, it, was it the final game of everything that we saw together yeah. at Uptown? Okay. Yeah, that was it. Um, 
So, obviously, U.S. making the final, falling to Shohei and Japan. Shohei got the final out of the game against his Halos teammate, Mike Trout. Uh, I personally think they should still be allowed to play. I know uh, a lot of Mets fans especially are ticked off with Edwin Diaz getting hurt and tearing his ACL, which I say he could have done in his backyard playing with his dog or his kid or anything else. Obviously, Jose Altuve breaks his thumb when a pitcher from the U.S. hit him. Daniel Bard hit him with a 96-mile-hour fastball in the thumb. And uh, I think they should still be allowed to play. And my biggest thing is... It's an honor to put on your country's uniform and never, not that I know many soccer fans, but have I heard a soccer fan complaining about their guys going out there and playing in the World Cup or the fact that they take international breaks right in the middle of their season to play not just international friendly matches, but competitive matches that could be World Cup qualifiers, Euro qualifiers, etc. And uh, that's something that happens a lot in any other sports, and we saw it the other day with Reese Hopkins. It can happen in spring training. He got hurt. I think he's done for the season in spring training. Jordy Nelson one year, I knew, tore his ACL on Oh, that football. broke my heart, yeah. Yeah, broke my in, heart preseason football so i say that guys can always get hurt in spring training and there's no difference playing in spring training than in the world baseball classic cookie what are your thoughts on this i'm actually going to disagree with you okay because the the thing about stuff like jordy getting hurt and stuff okay they were getting hurt still filling out their contractual obligation to the team it was like i'm a packer i'm under contract with the packers i got hurt playing for the packers in the case of this, it's like you're contracted to the MLB and you're getting hurt in this like Olympic style event, right? You would say so? Yeah, kind of like a World Cup style. And so I don't think with your – and I think this was also like a rule in like WWE also and other like re, actually like real sports leagues where they don't want you doing a whole lot of stuff like period outside of your training and practice and whatnot because of the risk of that. So I'm saying you you do bring up a great point with that, but I'm saying that they suffered those injuries still filling out those obligations. But in this case, it's more just like you're doing your own thing separately, putting your body at risk, putting your health at risk when you have like the contractual obligation to the team. Yeah, I definitely see where you're going. My argument, obviously we don't have time to sit here and debate all day. My argument is you're right. However, if soccer's doing it, What's the difference? Yeah, but it's di- it's different though. That's like been going on so long. Like that's an established thing. I think like the actual major league soccer like builds around that. You know, they kind of know that that's going to happen. This is a relatively new thing, right? What two thousand five, two thousand six? So okay. yeah, I mean that's just my personal opinion on it. All righty, there you go. We got about a minute left in the show. NCAA tournament tonight. Um, wrapping up. I had some other notes for you. I'd like to get to. I, I can do it quick. Um, NCAA tournament. Uh, UConn is like one of the only blue bloods left. This will be the third time since 1994 that the Elite Eight will not have at least two of the following teams: UConn, Duke, Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, Villanova. Carolina obviously missed the tournament. Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, Villanova, all out. Huskies in to the Elite Eight. That'll do it for our Patrick Johnson show. Thanks for filling in with me, Cookie. Oh, yeah, I love it. Anytime you want, man. Anytime you want. P-Man will be back Monday. Pirate baseball against George Mason on the other side of this timeout as we toss it over to Scooter and Coach O.
Pitt County, everyone's a college student. At every age, at every stage of life, from every part of the county. Their parents and police officers, their nurses who work.